Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You should give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guest Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Also, Larry Reed will be joining us. He's an historian. He's also the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and now retired and authoring many murder mysteries. His latest is called No Problem. It is May the 8th, and on this day in 1945, both Great Britain and the United States celebrated Victory in Europe Day. Cities in both nations, as well as formerly occupied cities in Western Europe, put out flags and banners rejoicing in the defeat of the Nazi war machine during World War II. The 8th of May spelled the day when German troops throughout Europe finally laid down their arms. In Prague, Germans surrendered to their Soviet antagonists after the latter had lost more than 8,000 soldiers and the Germans considerably more. In Copenhagen and Oslo, uh, near Berlin, in northern Latvia and on the Channel Islands of Sark, the German surrender was realized in a final ceasefire. More surrender documents were signed in Berlin and in eastern Germany. The main concern of most German soldiers was to elude the grasp of Soviet forces to keep from being taken taken as prisoners. About one million Germans attempted a mass exodus to the west when the fighting in Czechoslovakia ended, but were stopped by the Russians and taken captive. The Russians took approximately two million prisoners in the period just before and after the German surrender. Meanwhile, more than 13,000 British POWs were released and sent back to Great Britain. Pockets of a German-Soviet confrontation would continue in the next day. On May the 9th, the Soviets would lose 600 more soldiers in uh, Silesia before the Germans finally surrendered. Consequently, VE Day was not celebrated until the 9th in Moscow with a radio broadcast salute from Stalin himself The age-long struggle of the Slav nations has ended in victory. Your courage has defeated the Nazis. The war is over. Lots would develop from that, though, right? It wasn't a peace to end all ages. Excuse me, please. Charles III was crowned as king of the United Kingdom and the 14th other Commonwealth realms in the ancient Westminster Abbey in London on Saturday. Then 74-year-old king succeeded his mother, Queen Elizabeth II, who herself was coronated in 1953 as the oldest person in history to ascend to the British throne, having been the longest-serving heir apparent and Prince of Wales in the nation's history. On a rainy day in London, King Charles III traveled from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Abbey by a gold state coach and was originally built in 1762, greeting his subjects along a royal procession. Charles was crowned by Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, who placed the nearly four-century-old crown of St. Edward upon the head of the monarch, proclaiming, God save the king. For the first time in British history, Archbishop Welby went on to invite the British people and peoples from other realms to pledge their allegiance to the king, as well as his heirs and successors. 
In a shorter ceremony, Queen Consort Camilla, uh, whom Charles married in 2005 and will now be referred to as Queen Camilla, was also crowned with the crown of Queen Mary. The royal family, alongside thousands of troops dressed in full regalia of of their various orders, marched back from Westminster Abbey to the palace where they observed a fly-past by the famed Red Arrows, the official uh, aerobatic team of the Royal Air Force, and waved to thousands of supporters gathered in the mall. A couple of just thoughts about this. It was, uh, I didn't see any joy at all on anyone's face in this entire procedure. That was very strange to me. The other thing that happened is the king was anointed, and they put up a, a barricade around him on three sides, what it did is it did not make the the event of his anointment transparent. And there was singing during that, too. So it was difficult to understand what the archbishop was saying to uh, King Charles and uh, therefore to uh, the uh, people in England. <clears throat> it was a, I wouldn't call it celebratory, it, but certainly it looked like to me like everybody was trying to avoid making a mistake. Uh, but there was no joy in the faces of those that were uh, participating, in my opinion. Strange. Well, the chair of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee declared Sunday that he's uncovered bank records documenting a pay-to-play bribery scheme involved in the Biden family, and he urged the Justice Department to delay any indictment of Hunter Biden until he releases the evidence on Wednesday. My message to the Department of Justice is very loud and clear. Do not indict Hunter Biden before Wednesday. That, according to Representative James Comer. Uh, We believe that there are a whole lot of tips that the IRS and the DOJ don't know about because we don't believe they've done a whole lot of digging in this. And we have, he said. President Joe Biden and his son Hunter have both vehemently denied any wrongdoing, and the president has insisted that he had nothing to do with his son's business deals you're not going to believe you're blinding, <laughs> your lying eyes, are you? You've got to believe me that <laughs> Biden is such a liar. Unbelievable. But that claim is coming under increasing doubt as more and more evidence emerges about policy decisions that benefited his son. In addition, Comer revealed last week that the FBI whistleblower filed a confidential human source report in summer 2020 alleging a pay-to-play bribery scheme that directly involved Joe Biden. He's been has subpoenaed that document. <clears throat> Comer, as a Republican from Kentucky, said he believes payments were routed to a web of limited liability corporations in exchange for something that then Vice President and now President Joe Biden would have done. So this whistleblower is going to provide some very crucial information uh, to our investigation. More and more evidence is pointing to the, towards Joe Biden, Comer said. Obviously, Joe Biden... <clears throat> was involved in all this despite the fact that he lied to the American people, despite the fact that his press secretary continues to lie about it. The chairman said the report he was, will release on Wednesday will show Biden family received money for more, many more countries than previously known, and that the number of family members who benefited is much larger. We're going to produce an additional five Biden family members, more countries, more LLCs, more bank accounts, he explained. This thing is much bigger than anyone would ever predicted, and it all points back to Joe Biden. Former Trump advisor Stephen Miller believes that the Biden DOJ will indict Hunter on some low-level crime in order to shield Hunter and Joe Biden from further discovery. Stephen Miller says the House Republicans will have to pursue Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland's impeachment in order to compel discovery. 
So uh, now Comer is saying, please don't indict him until after you've heard what we have to say on Wednesday. In my mind, uh, they certainly will indict him as soon as they can to prevent them from being called uh, as witnesses uh, in this, although the Department of Justice will something this is currently under investigation and we can't discuss it. That's what they always do. Uh, unbelievable. But hopefully we'll work towards justice on this thing. It's pretty evident to me, pretty clear that uh, Joe Biden, he's not only a liar, he's a crook. Well, Texas Army and National Guard uh, Operation Lone Star, <clears throat> their troops preparing for expected surge of illegal foreign nationals between port entry along the uh, Texas-Mexico border ahead of the Public Health Authority Title 42 ending this Thursday. National Guard engineers are continuing to reinforce razor wire barriers along the border near El Paso. The Office of GOP Governor Greg Abbott says the razor wire will create help combating the unprecedented influx of illegal border crossings uh, and the end of 42, uh, Title 42 is expected to cause, he said. In addition, soldiers have been mobilized to support construction efforts. Now, the problem with all this is uh, what's happening is that uh, I believe Biden and Mayorkas, the others, are working around what they're ma- doing is making it easier for uh, people, illegal immigrants, to be in the United States legally until their hearings come up, and uh, which is a real cause of concern. <clears throat> but it, nevertheless, we'll see what happens. Thursday is going to be a momentous day. Well, at least uh, eight people were killed and seven others injured after a gunman opened fire in an outlet mall in Dallas. Uh, the suspect was killed at the scene after the shootout with police. Officials have not publicly released information regarding the victims uh, as of the writing, although early reports suggest those killed or injured ranged in age from 5 to 61 years of age. A motive for the attack has not been determined, though some services surf- uh, sources say officials that were investigating online posts made by the shooter promoting white supremacy. The shooter, identified as 33-year-old Mauricio Garcia, was said to have been premeditated the attack, having arrived at the mall with a semi-automatic rifle and at least one handgun as well as body armor. Tragic event. And again, uh, we have an epidemic of mental illness. And uh, to me, this is, I think, the cause of a lot of what's going on right now. That kind of gets to the root cause. We have to discover and understand why people uh, feel so isolated and alone in our society <clears throat> a lot of causes, I'm sure, but uh, President Biden's approval rating, by the way, has dropped to a new low. According to the Washington Post-ABC News survey released Sunday, the poll shows the Democrat president's approval rating fell six percentage points between February and May from 42 to 36%. Biden's approval rating is underwater among a slew of groups, that supported him by wide margins in 2020, said pollster Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway. She posted on uh, Twitter on Sunday. And if you haven't heard the news, Dr. Uh, Rochelle Walensky has uh, to depart as head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, on Ju- June the 30th, citing the end of the COVID pandemic. The U.S. News, U.S. Uh, to end official COVID-19 emergency declaration uh, this Thursday. She was a disaster. The glowing words that uh, Biden said about Rochelle Walensky, she, she was an apparitic. She simply uh, followed orders and she led us astray. She has an important position 
And people trusted the CDC before this epidemic, and now at least I don't trust the CDC. And I would recommend if you want good advice on public health, look to our uh, Surgeon General here in Florida as a source of good information. Well, the Department of Health and Human Services is backing down on threats to pull government funding from St. Francis Health System in Tulsa, Oklahoma, after previously tying funding to ex- uh, extinguishing an ex- internal, eternal gas-powered flame that regulators said is a safety hazard. After the hospital threatened legal action, the government reversed course amid what Biden administration critics say is that aggressive regulatory actions against the Catholic Church. The government has seen the light and has abandoned its attempt to f- force an Oklahoma hospital to blow out a small candle or, or stop serving elderly, disabled, and low-income patients, said Lori Wyndham, vice president and senior counsel at the Beckett Fund Public Interest Legal Group. At stake are Medicare and uh, Medicaid and children's health insurance programming, uh, program and funding. Uh, Democrat presidential candidate Robert Kennedy, uh, by the way. And by the way, so to me, I, sh- I should mention that uh, this is just part of an overall assault on organized religion uh, by uh, the Biden administration. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com is the website. Also brought, but brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. He's an historian and uh, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. I hope you check it out. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Mark. So uh, just for our listeners' benefit, I will let you know that uh, Mark is in Tel Aviv, and there's been a lot going on. Any update in uh, any of the procedures and protests in Israel right now? Well, the, pro- the protests have continued. About 250,000 people came out this past Saturday night. Wow. Um, but the judicial reform, so to speak, seems to be on hold. No one trusts anybody, so it's not clear what's going to go forward. The protest keeps on going to make sure uh, the government doesn't go ahead, but a lot, of, a lot of lack of trust, and right now the government's trying to pass the budget, which is more in, immediate for them, because if the budget isn't passed, the, the, the government falls, they'll pass it, because, because all the opinion polls show Netanyahu and his government being totally wiped out in the next election, if it was held today. Huh. So, uh, so they'll hold on to power, you know how that goes. Absolutely. So I want to start off by asking about your thoughts on the coronation yesterday. Okay, you know, it's a complicated issue on some levels. On some levels, it seems so ridiculous in this day and age. You look at some of the, some of the costumes and everything else, and it almost, it's almost a joke, right, on some levels. And the whole monarchy is of questionable value, to say the least. On the other hand, just in terms of tourist dollars, it's worth an awful lot to the British. Hmm. They don't have much else going at the moment. So um, that's absolutely a, a major plus. You know, the Brits are trying to figure out um, where they stand in terms of uh, in the world. They had municipal elections uh, a week ago, I guess it was, and the Conservatives got wiped out. In other words, Labour won almost everywhere. Uh, the Conservative government is not popular at all at this point. Brexit, which the Conservative government brought about, is very, very unpopular at this point. The realization is it's had a terrific, a terrible economic cost to the country. And, of course, it's an inconvenience to Brits who travel and do trade and everything else. Yeah. So it's very unpopular. The Conservatives are being blamed for it. Um, and so the question is, where does, where does England, the United Kingdom, where does it stand in this modern world? And the British are trying to figure that out at this point. Yeah. You know, uh, Mark, uh, there certainly is something to say for tradition. And uh, what transpired yesterday, of course, uh, is heaped in uh, history. Uh, The other thing that impressed me, though, uh, there are a couple things that didn't. One is the fact that nobody looked particularly happy. (laughs) Everybody Everybody looked like they're trying to avoid making a mistake. And as I mentioned to our uh, audience 
uh, also the the anointment of the king uh, was done kind of a, behind a shield that they had constructed somehow, and uh, it was very difficult because of the music to hear what was being said by the archbishop. But that said, I thought it was, to me, I think, uh, just a very important kind of messages about Christendom, about uh, the, the, the history of the church. Continuity, the ch all those things, absolutely. But, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated, right? Yes. Uh, continuity in this age of the Internet, in this age of chat GTP, uh, it's a very confusing time, let me put it that way. And for the Brits, it's particularly confusing because they have the extra confusion, remember, you know, it was only 80, 90 years ago that the sun, even less than that, I guess, uh, the sun didn't set on the British Empire. And uh, that's all gone. There's a commonwealth of countries that still sort of look towards the king or the queen, whatever it might be, but they are also the Australians and the Zealand. It's not at all clear they want to stay part of it. So it, it's complex. I mean, look, there are a bunch of kings and queens still in, in, um, in Europe. You have... Both Denmark and uh, Norway and Sweden, I think, all have kings and queens of the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, but the British monarch still has more power than the other ones. Not that they have a lot of power, but they do have more to do with power than the other um, than the other kings and queens. So, and of course, you know, we sort of have this we have this love hate relationship, right, going all the way back to the Revolutionary War. Absolutely. Uh, you know, well, we hated the king. So is it, is it, fair, to say, is it so, fair to say that the, uh, that, uh, the king perhaps, or, or Queen Elizabeth but, uh, in her tradition, but the king has more power than, uh, it certainly is restrained, it's not used often. That's correct. The, the, the paper power that the king and queen have is much greater than the, than the power they've, they've used. And I don't know what would happen if they ever tried to use it. So it's, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, they have the power of the pulpit. That's really what it amounts to. Yeah. And they can't overuse it. I mean, Queen Elizabeth was very, very limited in the causes that she got involved with. It seems like a new king will become slightly more involved in certain causes. Yes. But, you know, it's interesting and sad in some ways, right? In other words, I always talk about the once in the 70 years event. Well, unfortunately, I do not think this king is going to live for 70 more years. Right. He waited an awfully long time for this. He had a he was lucky and unlucky to have a mother to live into his, her 90s when he first became queen at like 21 or 22. So um, now we'll see how long, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 years maximum, I assume, based on actuary tables. Yeah. I uh, wish him well. Um, you, know, it's an, you know, it's a good job for an old man. Doesn't have a lot of responsibilities, not a lot of requirements. I don't think his so, mother was particularly happy with Camilla either. I thought it might have been more she wanted to hang on to the crown. Yeah, there's no question she was never happy with Camilla. She was never happy with the fact that he had a, you know, was having an affair on the side that was sort of known. All those things. But, yeah. It's, you know, but she also held on, you know. You don't resign as being king or queen in, in, in British history, you know, except for scandal, you know, when, uh, when the king resigned because he was going to marry a commoner in 1936. Edward, I guess, and uh, that's something else. Yeah. Love triumph being king. Uh, Mark, we have so much more to talk about. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's watching part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Good for kids of all ages, including you and I. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So uh, let's move to uh, developments in Syria and the Arab League, kind of kind of interesting developments. Yeah, you know, after he killed 600,000 of his own people and after he was ostracized within the Arab League, all the Arab leaders are getting to the conclusion that, well, he's going to stake around, he's not going anywhere. And so they've accepted Syria back into the Arab League. He's reestablished relationships with all the countries that broke relations with him. I guess the, the answer to all this is kill as many people as you can as long as you can hang on to power. What can I tell you? A very bad, a bad situation, a bad lesson for the world. Um, it seems to be the lesson, right? On the other hand, it kind of points out the senselessness of war, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just... Uh, it's... Well, I don't know. Senseless of war. Well, well, this was a rebellion. Yeah. Yes, sir. It was, it was, it was a failed rebellion um, that, um, you know, people, they rebelled against his rule, and he massacred them all. Yeah. And even though they were the majority, the Sunnis were the majority in Syria, he massacred them all. He forced them out of the country, and he won. Yeah, I don't know. Based on what you just said, the Americans should never have voted against the king. No, you're right. You're right, Mark. So, uh, remind me, wasn't part of this uh, ethnic? Yes, he he is from the Alawite uh, group, which is a subset of Islam. We don't really know a lot about it, but it's a small percentage, about ten percent of the people of of Syria are Alawite. Most of the high-ranking members and a lot of the military are all from the Alawites. 
the majority of Syria is Sunni, with a smaller percentage Shiites, and the Alawites was against everybody else, huh. and they won. And also Druze also in Syria. Uh, the Druze stayed out of it. Uh, but um, it, it was clearly ethnic. It was clearly against the Alawites who were controlling the country since its, uh, since its independence. Um, and they lost. Yeah. Very simple. They lost. They killed enough people. You know, we've been talking all these years. When we talk about revolts in countries, the bottom line is if you have a military that's willing to turn its guns on the people, you can stay in power. Yeah. And if you don't, and that's what happened in Eastern Europe, of course. In Eastern Europe, the military was not willing to turn the guns on its own people. So that's why all the communist regimes fell. But we've seen, in, you know, certainly in, uh, in Syria, we've seen it in Iran. Uh, you can maintain power, even if you're a minority and unpopular. Yeah, unbelievable. Let's move to uh, Sudan. Uh, I guess we can and call there it. again, this is again a, a fight of egos. I mean, they've reached maybe, maybe an agreement not to attack hospitals. I mean, these people have nothing. It's not ethnic. Not, it's not ideological. It's purely egos of who should be in control. And hundreds and hundreds of people are being killed and the country is being ravaged. I mean, it's insane. Uh, it really is insane. So that's, you know, that's my only take on that is the insanity and the insanity of egos. And, you know, leaders, all of them, or too many of them are all narcissists. Yeah. They think only they can do it. And we have a whole, you know, we have, uh, not to get to American politics, but we have two American politicians who should retire, and they don't want to retire. And we have that in lots of places in the world. People don't want to give up their power or their, their pushing for power, which is sad because it comes a time, it doesn't make a difference who or what. Yeah. Um, that you are, not res you are not indispensable. No one's indispensable. And um, unfortunately, people think that they're indispensable, whatever, whatever place that is. Right. Well, of course, the alternative right now is we have these two armies. They're really two generals fighting one another. So they understand that without victory comes death. <laughs> there's, there's, it's pretty much a fight for your life at this point. No, absolutely. Although I'm sure, we, I'm sure some Arab country would be willing to make a deal to take one of them in exile. Right. I don't <laughs> think it's really death. I'm sure, I'm sure a deal can be made. Give up. We'll, we'll put you up in in Dubai for the rest of your life and give you a nice house and you can live there comfortably, or some, some version therein. Yeah. So it's not always death. There are solutions. Okay, we could even find a place for Putin if he's willing. Interesting. So let's, with that, let's move to Ukraine and what's happening. Uh, the, uh, there's some warnings. So Ukraine, we're still, at this, we're still at this stalemate waiting period. Uh, not much has happened in Bakhmut. Uh, the Russians had a massive drone attack against Kiev last night. Supposedly, all of the Russian uh, drones were shot down by the Kiev Defense Forces. Um, supposedly, an interesting thing happened two days ago when the first of their Russian hypersonic missiles was shot down by one of the American-built Patriot missile systems, which is a good thing to, to, to see that the Patriot is up to the, shooting down hypersonic missiles, which is you know, good for the United States, obviously, as well. Um, we'll see. Everyone's waiting for the Ukrainian offensive. They have to succeed to some extent in order to maintain their momentum. Um, and they, you know, I'm sure they're going to be a couple of faints and we won't know. And we won't know until it's fairly underway that's really happening or not, even in this day of instant information. Yeah, there's also a, a threat to the nuclear plant, apparently the largest in Europe. I can't even pronounce the yes, name. The, the, Russia, the Russians have planted uh, 
explosive devices around the plant. Huh. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, listen, there is nothing Putin would do that would surprise me at this point. The man and, and the Russians <clears throat> are war criminals in every sense of the word. word. And uh, I, I could see him blowing it up. I mean, it makes no sense, but I could see him doing it. I mean, that would be uh, that would be a nuclear disaster. Absolutely. Uh, but of course, remember, you know, prevailing winds blow from east to west, excuse me, west to east, and what's to the east of uh, Ukraine? Russia. So, I don't know if that's a good idea, really, from the Russian perspective. Doesn't sound like Not it. Not all that far from the... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound so, like it. So, here we are, no. we, we have the stalemate, and uh, what's next? Do you have any idea what's going to happen next? Well, the Ukrainians are going to launch an offensive. It's not quite clear where. Obviously, the Russians would like to know that information. Um, the Ukrainians are going to try to keep it secret as long as they can. Um, they will have some success. Will they have an overwhelming success? It's hard to know. Supposedly, the Russian uh, military command is still a big mess, and it's not integrated between the different, fa different parts of the front. So there could be a, a breakthrough that the Russians aren't able to match. Uh, again, you know, warfare is an awful lot of unknowns and surprises, and so yeah. we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, we don't know. Yeah, so interesting. <laughs> so, uh, any update on what's happening with regard to the Middle East and, uh, for example... Well, one place one thing we didn't talk about was Turkey. Yeah. Um, I meant to put it on the list. Turkey, there are elections coming up very soon. Uh, Erdogan is afraid this time. Polls do not show him in the lead. He's um, uh, make, doing all sorts of things. He's, sorry. he's forwarding fake uh, videos that are showing terrorists supporting his opponents. I mean, literally, totally fake. He's doing everything he can. The big question is, what happens if he loses? Will he give up? Power? And, you know, we've seen examples of leaders that have and have not like, uh, agreed to give up power or have and have not been treated to their uh, opponents. Let's hope that if he loses, he goes quietly, but we don't know. Well, there's, um, there's good is, evidence that he won't. I mean, he, hasn't he done a lot to destroy some of the uh, uh, fixtures or the... the oh, he's destroyed many of the fixtures of democracy in the country. He's destroyed the judiciary. He's limited press freedoms. He's done all of those things, but he hasn't called up election. And so the question is, A, will the elections be fair and free? And uh -huh. B, if he loses, will he be willing to give up? And it's unknown. One of those big unknowns. Listen, he's not a good dude. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Not good for the United States. Not good for Europe. <clears throat> he plays both sides against each other. Um, let's hope then he's you know moved. He's moved Turkey into a much more Islamic country. So let's hope he loses. And let's hope he goes quietly. But we don't know. Absolutely, Mark Schulman again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I encourage you to visit HistoryCentral.com. Mark, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining. My us. pleasure. Have a great week, everybody. You as well. Thank you so much, Mark. Mark was he was on his way to a media outlet. He's got a big interview this afternoon or right after the show, and he was riding his motor scooter into the. And the motor scooter broke down, so he's sitting in a park talking to us, which I just genuinely appreciate. He's a good guy, and he's really smart. I just appreciate his comment. Even though we see the world differently, I'm uh, certainly much more conservative than Mark, but he is extremely knowledgeable 
and provides great commentary here on the show. I hope you enjoy it. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets to some great performances coming up. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us uh, Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We work with young people of high school and college age, and we educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, limited government, and personal character. And we do that through our website, which is feefee.org, with lots of daily fresh content and also videos and uh, other um, uh, interactive um, uh, whatever you call them, on the website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and also we host in-person programs uh, around the country in schools and colleges. So I just, my admonition to our listeners, that if you have somebody high school or college age in your life, uh, grandson, granddaughter, or whatever, uh, cousin, 
introduce them to the Foundation for Economic Education. It's a terrific organization that can really make a difference in young people's lives, FEE.org. But Larry, you wrote a great piece. I mean, there's a difference between wisdom and education. Education sometimes doesn't produce the best results, but the story that you wrote is the Jane Jacobs history you weren't taught in school. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. Jane Jacobs was a remarkable woman, uh, and uh, for much of her life she lived in New York City, and that was the focus of much of her uh, work and her writing and her activism. Uh, She never had anything other than a high school diploma, but she was an accomplished journalist and ultimately became one of the principal authorities of the 20th century on urban planning. She wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, She often uh, went up against Robert Moses, who held many positions in New York City under both Republican and Democrat mayors. But his job uh, was to sort of plan the the city, uh, its infrastructure, transportation, communications, what have you. As time went on, he accumulated so much power that it really corrupted him. He he spoke very derisively of, of people whose neighborhoods he simply bulldozed. Uh, because he didn't like them, and uh, it really, it, the story is just amazing that the New Yorkers put up with him as long as uh, they did. But Jane Jacobs was the first to really go up against him hmm. when he wanted to uh, extend a street through Washington Park, and uh, she successfully prevented that from happening, and later he wanted to build an expressway uh, from east to west across lower Manhattan, And that would have ripped up neighborhoods like Greenwich and Soho for no obvious benefit. And she uh, successfully led the fight against that. I think she demonstrated, uh, just reading your your column, just demonstrated to me that she had great respect for the residents and the people there, as opposed to coming up with some urban scheme to uh, make transportation better or whatever it might be. She, She respected the neighborhoods. Yeah, she sure did. And Robert Moses, who had degrees up the wazoo, I mean, he, he from Columbia and from Yale and what have you, mm-hmm. uh, and for all that uh, formal education, he did not understand the importance of people in the city and neighborhoods and cohesiveness. And she did. She saw the city from the ground up, whereas he looked at it from 30,000 feet and just uh, thought, hey, I can run this across there, I can blow this up, I can bulldoze that. Uh, I think uh, she loved people. He loved bulldozers. Yeah, well said. So uh, to me, though, it's, it's extraordinary how much power she developed. And I'm talking about political power and influence uh, with a high school education. Can you speak to that? I mean, that's not an easy journey. No, that's right. And uh, she had <laughs> wisdom and she had insight and she also had respect for other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, uh, Robert Moses, who called himself a progressive and you know what progressives are like. They like to plan other people's lives. They like to think that uh, they're smart enough to uh, know more than you do about how you ought to live. And uh, that's what set Moses up for uh, inevitable conflict with so many people who didn't want their neighborhoods ripped up uh, for his projects. And uh, but, but she, you know, with a high school degree, she had her feet on the ground. She knew... Uh, the pulsing life of the city, uh, uh, you know, intimately. And she knew that you can't destroy neighborhoods and expect a city to prosper. Absolutely. Uh, you, you uh, in your column, listed a couple of uh, uh, 
quotes from uh, Jane Jacobs. Uh, I wonder if you'd just be willing to re uh, share a couple of them with us. Yeah, uh, this one uh, I'll give you first is uh, a great testimony to her skepticism of government planning offices. She said, there is nothing more inert than a government bureau. There is nothing more inert than a planning office. It gets going in one direction, and it's never going to change of its own accord. The citizens are going to have to frustrate the planners. I thereupon began to devote myself to frustrating planners, and so did the whole neighborhood. <laughs> That's beautiful. And, oh, yeah, she was, she was a uh, feisty uh, lady. And uh, she also said that uh, there is a quality even meaner than outright ugliness or disorder. And this meaner quality is... Uh, I'm sorry, I missed my space here. Let's see. Uh, ah, sorry about that. No worries. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, there is a quality even meaner than outright ugliness or disorder, and this meaner quality is the dishonest mask of pretended order achieved by ignoring or suppressing the real order that is struggling to exist and to be served. And what she meant by that was, uh, the city is not just chaos until the government comes along uh, and, and saves it from itself. The city is a pulsing, thriving, uh, uh, you know, area of uh, people choosing to act and interact and create. And there's a lot more order that happens naturally than you get when government steps in and says, no, we're going to make uh, order. Just as John Stossel once did a video about uh, an ice rink. And he showed that uh, without anything uh, other than the most basic directions, pretty, people pretty much govern their own direction uh, when they're skating in, on an ice rink. Yeah. And if a gov some planner comes in and tries to disrupt that, it usually just causes problems. Yeah. You know what? Uh, what you shared to us about Jane Jacobs, it's pretty clear to me that she should have a Ph.D. in economics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She wrote a book in 1961 that is regarded to this day as, uh, you know, almost the Bible of uh, uh, city-friendly, market-friendly, urban uh, thought, and it's called The Death and Life of Great American Cities, and it is still a fantastic uh, read today, The Death and Life of Great American Cities. Thank you for that, Larry. Wasn't it Mises that they had the pricing theory? In other words, there's chaos out there, but it, it is the accumulation of the intelligence of the markets that all gathers together that certainly could out uh, outperform any kind of a bureaucrat coming up with a, a big plan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mises was terrific at pointing that out, that there's a natural <laughs> order that uh, takes place in, in free markets that's uh, constantly underestimated, underappreciated, uh, at the same time, we elevate uh, what planners sitting behind the desk somewhere uh, can do as if it's godlike, and it really isn't. Again, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Again, the website is fee.org. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books, his latest is No Problem, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy. Uh, they prepare elected officials to have a winning strategy to pass legislation. Uh, you can visit thefga.org to find out more. Thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books, uh, Father Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, and, and his latest, No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure, Bob. I, you know, I, I want to talk about something today uh, that you're familiar with being from Florida, and that's road warriors, because you get inundated with road warriors uh, every winter. But but first, uh, you know, we had job numbers come out last Friday, mm-hmm. and they were fabulous, much stronger than the experts projected. And uh, uh, so I went to the White House website to look at the press release because presidents of either party generally take credit for a strong jobs number. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and, and Joe Biden has been campaigning on the economy. Well, well guess what? There was no press release. And then I went to Kamala Harris's website, no press release. Huh. I went to Chuck Schumer's press site, not a mention of jobs. Uh, the only prominent Democrat who boasted about the jobs figure was Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> so, so I'm wondering, you know, what is it? Uh, first, two things. Why isn't Joe Biden more popular with job numbers like that? And why is Joe Biden suddenly distancing himself from the job numbers. That is a good question. You know, one of the things I I think, and I don't know this, I don't recall, but 
I think in the same time they announced these job numbers, which were better than expected, didn't they reduce the job numbers for previous reports? Uh, so it, it, it would kind of have a leveling effect? Well, they did, they did uh, restate them, but I mean, they were still strong. You yeah. know? So, um, now I, so now I want to get to my road warrior story. Okay. Because um, I, I went to uh, my 11th grandchild's christening in Valparaiso, Indiana, which is a university town. Sure. There's a huge, huge Lutheran university there, beautiful, on 300 acres. So I drove from Lancaster, Pennsylvania to Valparaiso, over 700 miles each way. And I went through, you know, most of Pennsylvania Turnpike, most of the Ohio term, all of the Ohio Turnpike, and most of the Indiana Turnpike. And along the way, I was interviewing employees at all the uh, plazas. And what I learned was, first of all, that the volume of traffic on the turnpikes has moderated. Yeah. And this, by the way, I mean, this is anecdotal, but I substantiated this by looking at Ohio Turnpike data for April, and truck traffic was off significantly. Hmm. Uh, car traffic, passenger car traffic was actually increased. And that's what I saw on my trip this time. I also stopped and talked to the employees at like Starbucks and Panera and, and Burger King, those fine dining establishments. Because as you know, when you're on a highway, your, your uh, culinary offerings are limited. Right. So, so for example, uh, I pulled into a Starbucks at, at one point and, and the only other restaurant was a pizza place. So, my wife decides she would like a sandwich wrap at Starbucks. Well, they're all sold out, and, and they're not inexpensive items. And, and, and yeah. the, the two women behind the counter said that they were, you know, just astounded that people came in and, and, and just they ran out of food, and it's the first time it had happened. Wow. We, we, we stopped at a Burger King in Pennsylvania. It was the only fine dining in that plaza. And uh, we got the two chicken patty sandwiches. And, you know, prices on these plazas are elevated. Sure. Well, the two two little chicken breasts cost us uh, close to $15. So so I talked to the, the – um, there were three guys behind the encounter, the counter who were highly intelligent. I, I think they must have been uh, college students. And they were telling me that uh, – even though prices are high, uh, they had constant pressure, and, and, you know, that people were buying like crazy. Hmm. And when I got to my to the hotels in Valparaiso, it's not a great hotel town. You know, it, ha- it has the budget chains. It has Best Western and Hampton Inn and mm-hmm. Holiday Inn Express and some other budget hotel. Uh, they were packed, and they were charging top dollar for the rooms. Hmm. And the you know, we were paying, I guess, I mean, this, you'll laugh, it was like $130 a night in Valparaiso, and which is a little bit pricey in that part of Indiana. But the manager was telling me that she was going to go to a Kentucky Derby party uh, down by the uh, University of Indiana in Bloomington, and that the budget hotel prices for that weekend would be three hundred dollars. Holy moly! So, Jim, did did uh, perhaps your visit to Valparaiso coincide with graduation days or anything like that? 
Uh, no, there was no graduation. It was it was middle class families uh, on the move. Uh-huh. Uh, just so Americans still have that pent up, you know, after after being homebound by COVID. I mean, the the, uh, the urge to get out and visit other places is still pretty strong. Well, two two observations, Jim. First is that your comment about trucking. Uh, is pretty much one of the leading indicators with regard to economic a- activity. So it makes me wonder, perhaps, uh, economic uh, activity is going to dwindle a little bit here based on the traf- uh, the trucking uh, traffic that you uh, observed. Yeah, I think, you know, we've had the tenth uh, increase by, by the Fed. Uh, I think it has teeth. It takes, as you know, because... You, you're an expert on money. It, it takes uh, about a month for, for for this to take effect. I mean, we didn't see the, the the bank failures occur until you know weeks and weeks after the uh, eighth and uh, Fed uh, rate hike, right? And into the ninth. So this tenth, I expect that by uh, June, uh, you and I will be talking about how drastically the economy has slowed. Ah. How how we're going to see not only a decrease in jobs, but layoffs. I think I think this one really has teeth. I believe it's the last Fed rate hike because of politics. You know, we're going into a presidential election, yeah. and the Fed supposedly is independent, but it's not. Yeah. And so, that, and, and I've been predicting that inflation will be with us probably until at least 2026. I agree with that observation for sure. The other thing is, uh, with all the traffic on the roads, I wonder what's happening with airlines right now because there's certainly airlines have gotten a lot of bad press because of the bad experiences that people have been having with cancellations, and you can go on. So I wonder perhaps uh, that people are saying, you know what, we want to travel, but we're not going to do it by airplane. We're going to do it in a car. Yes. But the airplane, my, my sisters flew out to Valparaiso. Uh, the reason that, that I didn't fly is my wife has problems walking so at times she's wheelchair bound mm-hmm. and so you know trying even with help trying to navigate airports w- with a person in a wheelchair is, is very trying yeah and if you have and if you have to make uh transfers at other airports it, it's doubly so you know sure. the apprehension factor increases but uh my my in-laws came out from Philadelphia, and their plane was delayed uh, four hours. Yeah. You know? and, and, and when all is said and done, it took me 10 hours to drive out there, and it took them about eight hours to get out there into O'Hare and then renting a car and then, then driving uh, almost two hours to Valparaiso. So, um, you know, air, the planes are full, uh, but... Uh, the service is not great. So yeah, that's right. My guess point, is you probably had a, you probably had a, a more enjoyable tra- traveling experience than your in-laws had. <laughs> would be my guess. <laughs> I, I, we did. I mean, uh, the Midwest is underrated. It has some. I mean, even from the highways, you can yeah. see some beautiful countryside. Absolutely, Jim. This has been a most interesting conversation. I really appreciate your uh, commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, I uh, just want to remind our listeners, check out uh, our, our DuckDuckGo, uh, Jim McTagg, M-C, capital T-A-G-U-E, and check, his latest book is No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. 
Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, who's the president of the Senate, Florida State Senate. Look forward to that conversation and get her wrap-up on uh, the last legislative session. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley uh, down in uh, – Seton uh, is the president of less government – uh, we got a great show tomorrow, so I hope you'll join us. Again, the uh, love your uh, comments if you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thank you, honey. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.